You are listening to Faithless Brewing, a Magic the Gathering podcast for the Spike Road. Each week we design new decks for tournament play. We put our creations to the test and share our findings on the air. Is Atraxa the most powerful creature in Magic? A Niv-Mizzet that doesn't require bad cards? A Gristlebrand that doesn't require life? A creature that dies to nothing and pitches to everything? Can we break Atraxa in Modern and Pioneer? We're going to find out on Faithless Brewing. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show! Faithless Brewing Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Schriever, also known as Cave Dan, and I'm joined today all the way from Argentina. You know him as Mord to Light. It's Emmy Sagasti. Hey yo. How is it going, Dan? Now that we can only know you as Cave Dan and not Cave Dan online. <laughs> How was your day? The whole new me in the flesh. <laughs> oh, Cave Dan on the flesh. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> That sounds like something entirely different. I entertain myself too easily. <laughs> I'm doing great, Mord. I'm excited to get some more brewing done. I mean, this is week two of our brewing season with Phyrexia All Will Be One. We're just getting started. We're just getting started, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much to do. So maybe we should just jump in, you know? No more chit-chat. I was going to make some small talk about asking if you have seen The Last of Us series, recommending it if you haven't, but sure, let's go straight into Atraxa, which looks like a giant <laughs> porcelain malady. I have not seen The Last of Us, but uh, I saw this Mario Kart parody trailer that was <clears throat> referencing The Last of Us. That was actually one of the few things from Saturday Night Live that was actually funny. <laughs> it made me actually it made me want to watch The Last of Us. I only watch the good clips from SNL because they are the ones that get to me. It's it's worth it. It's like one of their fake movie trailers. Well, if that's the end, I will have to watch the clip and keep and start watching The Last of Us. I don't watch it because I'm ge- I'm too much of a coward. I thought you were going to recommend it to me. I, I want to recommend it to you because everyone is recommending it to me, but I can't watch it because I'm a coward. What are you afraid of? Like, is it very gruesome? Oh no, no, me, me, and I have a terrible experience with. Wait, I'm scared. Like, even the possibility of a jump scare is enough to just lock me into, like, fight or flight mode. It's kind of like a zombie flick, right? The, yeah, exactly. Like, walking Dead. Theoretically, there are, like, zero jump scares that I shouldn't be afraid of, but that doesn't make me less of a coward. I mean, it's going to be a secret layer eventually, so you might as well get up to speed now. <laughs> I mean, I play the game, so I already know the story, but series has been truly recommended, so anyone that enjoys that sort of show should watch it. And as Dan said, enough of the chit-chat, let's get your brew session for the week. And who <laughs> is the true, our true direction for tonight? Oh, we got a good one today. We got a good one. Going all the way back to our podcast roots, this is a proper heir to Niv-Mizzet Reborn. I feel like if Niv-Mizzet Reborn got completed, got Phyrexianized... This would be him. Yeah, this is, this is the card. <laughs> um, 
kind of like uh, if if Niv and Gristlebrand had a baby, you would you would get a Traxa. <laughs> and then you lost red mana along the way because. Yeah, exactly. Marriage is about compromise. So that's our card for the week. We're also going to tell you about testing results. Our card of last week was Tyvar Jubilant Brawler. So we got a lot to get through. Before we jump in, just a little housekeeping at the top. A quick reminder that if you enjoy this show, a great way to show support is by joining our Patreon community. That's patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing. Make a pleasure any time you like. It can be a dollar a show. It's like tipping your podcaster. You know, you tip your barista. Hey, <laughs> why not tip your podcaster? Tip your local podcaster, everybody. Exactly, exactly. Locally sourced fair trade. <laughs> Locally sourced, and we have a guy from Argentina talking to the USA. That's not line up, but sure. I mean, I don't know what kind of tipping culture you have in Argentina, but these days in the States, it's like anything you try to do, an iPad screen gets flipped around and they ask you for like, would you like to add 20%? No, here it's much less. So it's not mandatory in any way, shape or form. It's not in the bill. It's not anywhere, but it's super common to tip around 8, 10% at restaurants. But there's not such a mentality as in the US saying that you must. It's fine not to tip. Yeah, I should actually just stop now. I don't want to say too much. I support servers. Oh, Dan is going to war against ser- Dan is going to war against servers. Is that what I'm here that they shouldn't get no, paid? No, I'm not. Should I'm, we I'm not going to war against the kind of the greedy institutionalization of flipping the iPad around? You heard it first here, guys. <laughs> we should not tip our waiters. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. More. Thank you for clarifying. That's exactly that. what Dan is saying. Thank you, Dan, for the nuclear takes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for more of these exhaustively thought out, brilliant ideas, come hang out on our Discord channel. Where we, you have a long rant about Dan saying, "No, I got tipped forty-one percent yesterday by a waitress." <laughs> That's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is, why not tip your content creator a dollar? They work hard on this. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, we also have merch. Uh, you'll get tokens. You can get playmats. Uh, you can vote on cards. And more importantly, you can just participate in our wonderful brewing community. If you like. No pressure, of course. <laughs> Proceeds to flip the iPad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> With that being said, we can finally go on forward to the Grizzlebrand's Nimmistit Amalgamation Atraxa, the Grand Unifier, who has just banger art. I was trying to figure out Atraxa's pronouns, so I, I looked into the lore. Apparently, Atraxa was... An angel. A Mirin, a Mirin angel yeah. who valiantly stayed behind to allow some escape of people who probably died later, <laughs> for all we know. But the Phyrexians were so impressed that they honored Atraxa by completing her. Yeah, and she's like the boring standard, like the banner for the four unifying... Ah, uh, that's right. Elishnorn invited every Praetor to contribute something to Atraxa, exactly. although Urabrask declined to participate. Exactly. So, besides Urabrask, who had nothing to do because he was busy setting up his own revolution, and she already was actually also revolutioning, but in the back, because she's a Black Planeswalker, so it's not like Red that goes all passionate about, yeah, I'm gonna destroy everything. She was like, no, no, I'm gonna support you while my Thanes support um, Urabrask. Urobras is not a team player. Urobras does not tip servers. He's, <laughs> don't listen to Urobras. 
<laughs> Be more like Ellis Norn. Ura Rask was getting shown. The worst one is, is Hjoldred, who's actually supporting Ura Rask while saying she supports. Um, she's just playing on every single field trying to see where she wins, which appears to be nowhere. I gotta get caught up on this story. This sounds juicy. <laughs> you just have to read a lot of bad stories that have a lot of plot holes and a lot of unconventional endings to get to the good stuff. Oh, but the good stuff. Real Praetors of New Phyrexia. Besides a beautiful 7-mana seven 7-7 seven sporting body, Atraxa is a 3-green-white, blue-and-a-black Phyrexian Angel 7-7 seven seven Flying Vigilance Death Touch Lifelink with a really nib-me-like trigger. When it enters a battlefield, reveal top 10. For each card type, put a card of that type from among the reveal cards into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a, in a random order. So... 7 mana, 7-7, seven, seven, drawing average, 3-4 cards without, without practically any deck dealing restrictions. Huge party, great abilities, controls the ground, and spoils the future card type battle all in one card. That's so cute, right? Wasn't Tarmogoyf also something similar? Like, they put it in future sites. Tarmogoyf did this for Planeswalkers and Tribal before Lorwyn. Yeah. We don't know what a battle is yet, but... Atraxa is just going to get more and more powerful once the battles truly begin. Yeah, we talked about this when we first saw the card, that you don't have to do that much adjusting of the deck. Flipping 10, you're going to get a land, almost for sure. Yeah. Let's say instant sorcery is not too hard to have some mix of those, maybe a creature. So that's like four types you're very likely to have. And then if you can just add a little bit of something, right, you know... A few enchantments, hmm. right? Fable of the Mirror Breaker, Lay Down Binding. These are the good ones. You don't have to go... Dress down. Dress down, sure. Why not? Maybe there's a Planeswalker you're like on the fence about. Yeah, put a couple of Planeswalkers in. Why not? And suddenly your Atraxa can hit six cards. If you have an artifact, it can hit seven cards. What we saw with Niv is that it's not quite accurate to say, well, Niv is powerful because Niv draws three cards. It's, it's more than drawing, right? Flipping 10 is almost like dig through time. It's, it's dig through 10. You're actually seeing a huge chunk of the deck, and that's why with Niv is it reborn, you can kind of rely on the first Niv finding a second copy of Niv via Bring to Light. It's better than drawing a card is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's 100% better. It's like looting through cards. It's like draw 10, discard six discard five that's insane very powerful trigger uh, i think that's not the problem right it's just this mana cost is the problem yeah the mana cost is of course the only issue but we can ignore that we can we can look at the greater good in the in the later in the later part of it right now we can just talk about how this is the reincarnation of Nib with even the exact same mtgo bug the bug being that MTGO, Magic Online, will, will not currently show the opponent which cards you take. So if you want to be a gentleman, you can type in the chat which cards you're taking. Technically, the opponent is supposed to know. Also be aware that this is a May. You don't have to take the cards. And I did see some people say that they misclicked on a track, so they did not realize that they were being prompted to, to select cards, so they just got nothing off the attractor trigger. That's a mistake you'll only make once, hopefully. They tried. I mean, it's like clicking no on Coco, and that has happened to me more times than I'm willing to admit. Okay, so it's a mistake you make a few times, but it's possible. 
Not much else to know rules-wise. Just keep in mind this is legendary. Its creature types are Phyrexian and Angel. Angel probably doesn't matter. Like, it's not going to go into an yeah. Angel deck, except that uh, it's immune to power word kill. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. Being immune to power word kill, being one of the most common removals of the Fragdos, has to be a pretty big advantage, because that card hits almost anything. Yeah, power word kill hits non-angel, non-demon, non-devil, non-dragon. And when I look at the Rakdos decks that are doing the best, they're just playing sometimes three copies of power word kill as their two yeah. removal of choice. Um, Misplay Sincher actually won the challenge yesterday with three copies in the main deck. Yeah. So that's something Atraxa has going for it. Uh, the creature type Phyrexian currently doesn't matter, although that is one way you might consider getting Atraxa into play. Actually, we're going to talk about a Phyrexian tribal deck uh, using Pyre of Heroes. So maybe this will matter, maybe not. Beyond that, it's just an amazing creature. I mean, it's, it's huge. It's huge. 7-7, seven, seven, flying, lifelink, and vigilance, and death touch if you want that. Dominates the battlefield. Yeah, I mean, how are you ever going to go over a 7-7 seven, seven Flying Vision as Death Touch Lifelink? That's a few too many keywords. So it doesn't quite have the board control. I guess this is going to segue into some of our, our key questions, right? When you're choosing your top-end threat for whatever this deck is, what are the strengths and weaknesses of these different giant creatures? Well, we could say that Atraxa stabilizes you insofar as you get a giant blocker. Uh, if you somehow have mana left over, you're also going to look at a bunch of cards and maybe find removal spells. So if you're like tapping out for Atraxa past the turn, maybe you just die. Maybe they remove Atraxa and attack you and you, you, like you, hmm. you feel very foolish. But maybe not. Maybe you cheated Atraxa into play, looked at your top 10 cards, found the stabilizing removal spell you need, and then you're just off to the races. We need to think about all that when we're trying to figure out like what role does Atraxa have to play? Like what is my Atraxa turn going to look like in my deck? And that really depends on how we want to build set set deck, right? There's a lot of ways to try and make it work. Exactly. So the two questions I think we need to decide up front are A, how are we getting Atraxa into play? And B, do we even want Atraxa? And these always go hand in hand at this high of a mana cost, seven plus we're mainly going to be cheating the card into play. And that means that, you know, you, you could cheat a Traxa in, you could cheat anything into play. So what makes a Traxa better or worse than the other options? So maybe we'll start with that question. Yeah. Tell me about modern. What are my top end creatures I should be considering here? So in modern, our top end creatures right now are Archon of Cruelty as the most reanimatable target, but that's mostly on the pack of the non-legendary tag. Persist being made for non-legendaries, of course, just made Alcor of Cruelty a lot better than any alternative, because what else are you going to reanimate, right? I kind of resent how they railroaded us into that specific package, <laughs> but... We got railroaded there, and they were right to do so, but still I'm annoyed. I think even if Archon were legendary, it's actually kind of unique in how much it affects the board. Like, it directly attacks their hand, their board presence, and gives you life. So from there we had the Archon of Cruelty, and then you have a few additions. When you're animating with haste via like Gorius Penchance, you have either Enracul or Grizzlebrand. And the only other alternative to get back is Serra Misery, 
as a sideboard card against specific decks, right? I think so, yeah. But Serra Misery and Atraxa have one advantage over Archon, which is being 7 CMC over 8, which is a minor advantage, but it's relevant for one specific thing we're going to see down the road. It doesn't seem huge because we're not hardcasting this, but it's still relevant that there are 7 instead of 8. Easier to hardcast. Does mean that, I mean, specifically the Gristlebrand deck in Modern, uses a 7-mana creature, Allosaurus Rider, and Neoforms it. Yeah. Which you cannot actually do with the Trexa. You, you can go from 6 to 7 if you want to Neoform, and we'll look at a deck that does that in a minute. But yeah, it, these little differences actually do matter in a, in a weird sort of way. Grislebrand, I think, is... I mean, I'm wrestling with this. Like, there are a bunch of decks where I could imagine myself reanimating a Traxa, let's say, with the Gorio's Vengeance, which is capable of getting legends, and I do wonder if a, a Grislebrand is better than a Traxa. Hmm. This is something I think we'll have to test this week. What are the differences? Well, Grislebrand, as we know, does encourage you to just win the game immediately. We've seen the Neobrand decks. We've seen the... What is that? Borbergrosman Raged deck? The <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Grishol brand, that's what it's called. If you want to just do like a fairer deck with like, let's say, Jace Fringe Prodigy, <laughs> Obsidac Ghost Council, those decks would occasionally play a Gristle brand, but reanimating a Gristle brand for just one turn with a Gorio's Vengeance and not winning the game that turn was not so good. It got slightly better with the advent of... Modern Horizons 2, because grief, you know, and you can now get Gristlebrand into play, draw 14 cards, or 21 if you have to, because you get to attack that turn, hit a grief or two or three, and then completely disarm the opponent. Hmm. So that's something that Atraxa will not do. Atraxa's just going to give you that burst of cards once, however, it won't cost you any life up front. Yeah, it's just going to stand there menacingly and give you the cards with the ETV. And I think that's about it for modern, right? In terms of big creature threats. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think anything else you're trying to do anyway. I think it's strictly worse than either Grizzlebrand, Archon, Serra, or Embrakul, if you're somehow hasting it. When we go to Pioneer, things get a little more interesting. Yeah, because the power level similarities are closer. You don't have the Embrakuls, the, the Grizzlebrands, and the insane ones. So everything is a bit more fair. Here are some seven drops that you, you may or may not be interested in. So you have Coma Cosmos Serpent. Tyranax Rex. This is a new one. 8-8. Uh, eight, eight. Can't be countered. Trample Haste. Ward 4. Dragonlord Atarka. Sometimes seen at the top end of ramp decks. It distributes 5 damage, so it has a little bit of that or kind of cruelty stabilizing effect. In a similar way, Agent of Treachery and Ashen Rider. Again, these both cost 7. They, they are capable of dealing with one permanent from the opponent, sometimes more if you blink them. Other seven drops you may have seen uh, sometimes in like a control mirror, you'll see a Hullbreaker Horror or a Nezahal Primal Tide. These are, you know, decent creatures to have in play. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's not so special, <laughs> Hullbreaker Horror. Uh, if you're going to go higher up the curve, there's, you know, a Cityscape Leveler will be in a car and wishboard. Specifically, if you want to combo kill somebody, you have. A couple ways to do it in Pioneer. So an Indomitable Creativity deck in Pioneer is very likely to try to get X equals 2, and they're looking for the specific combination of Xenagos, God of Revels, plus Emrakul 13. 
that does 26 flying trample haste damage. Alternately, if you're thinking, I just need to get a creature in play, just one creature. Yeah. Just like a pioneer version of modern Gristlebrand. Maybe Velomachus Lorehold is the card you want. You can play your Hooting Mandrels, Neoform it, get a Velomachus. And in theory, that, that might win the game if you hit enough extra turn spells in a row. Hmm. So this is kind of the class of creature that we're roughly talking about if we're trying to cheat something in in Pioneer. Yeah. But if you listened, not all those creatures got cheated into play. Some of them just got hard cast. Hmm. You would ramp to a Tarka. You would probably ramp to a Tyranex Rex. Um, Hmm. You would probably just wait and eventually just cast the Hullbreaker Horror. Yeah, Hullbreaker Horror seems like the most hard castable of all of them because it's played more of controlling shell. An Ancient of Treasury turns to get cheated on by Enigmatic. So in your opinion, more, where does Atraxa like fit into this jumble of big creatures? I think it fits closer to Hullbreaker Horror than it does something like Senago Semracul Combo Kill. I think it's a hardcastable mid-range option, right? Like you're going to play a mid-range or control strategy that's going to try to cheat it without using too many resources. Like, I'm going to two-for-one myself to get a 7-7 that's going to draw me four cards, right? That's sort of the idea, I think. And I think that would win. But that, again, goes back to what we're saying. In that scenario, you're probably tapping out for a Traxo. Do you die that turn is the question. It all depends on if they have removal for the Atraxo or not. If they can't remove it, you've got a giant blocker that gains seven life and a fresh hand of cards. But if they can remove it, you, you still might die, depending on if they just brutal Cathar Atraxa and attack for the win, you'll, you'll feel very bad. Hmm. So that's like control finisher Atraxa. It's, it's somewhere between a seven drop you cheat in and just like a, a slower Niv-Mizzet Reborn. Ah, uh, they miss it, Reborn. We miss you. Fucking unholy heat and solitude. This dodges unholy heat. Oh, baby. <laughs> One over unholy heat. All right, so we've been kind of glossing over the most important part. How are we actually getting this giant Thyrexian angel into play? What are my options? Hmm, so options. Of course, we have... The most simple idea, if we look at the deck list, we have the most likely common one and the one fellow brewer Mr. Rave has taken, which is the creativity slash transmogrify slash polymorph slash Luca way of getting creatures into play. Sacrificing and showing off the top till it appears directly into the board. Creativity probably the best of these right now. Yeah. Uh, that's a multi-format threat. And actually we talked uh, in our Monday show about a modern showcase challenge winning creativity deck that decided to include one Atraxa on top of four Arcana of Cruelties. Yeah, as a way to dodge your Seagulls and have a really powerful secondary payoff. So that's definitely, I think, a very promising route to take, uh, just taking it directly from the deck into play. What else can we do? Besides that, we have the good old reanimation route, which is the one being taken in formats like Legacy already, and yet to be seen in modern and, well, a bit in Pioneer, as we have some platform bones or the five mana right from Strixhaven being used as a reanimation spell that provides haste. Its name I can't remember. Bond of Revival, I think. Bond of Revival, exactly. 
In modern, we have a few more powerful routes, Godius Vengeance, Priest of Felrides. Is there a Priest of Felrides Divar Shieldred build somewhere? Is that the dream? I hope so. I have not had a chance to put that together yet, but that was one of the interactions that seemed possible. Maybe even Nahid instead of Tyvar? I don't know. The rabbit hole goes deep. <laughs> so you will not be able to use Persist on Atrexa. That's part of the bummer of it. If you want the cheapest way to bring it back in modern, you either need the Priest of Felrites, or you Gorio's Vengeance and accept that you're only getting Atrexa for one turn. Do we have any three mana mediocre animation spells? No, right? No, that's the weird part. I mean, they, they jumped from four to two. To two. Yeah, Persist was a huge upgrade. You know, Sam Black was complaining about that. When he was assigned to like advise them on MH2, he said he didn't think they should go this far on the reanimation angle. They should just go down to three and see what happens. And they didn't. <laughs> but they didn't. Now, there's footsteps of the Goryeo, but again, that's one turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super different. Like It forces you into sort of almost winning on that spot. You can just Goryeo's Vengeance, get your Atraxa, find Ephemerate, Ephemerate Atraxa, and, and you're probably won the game. Yeah. Like it's a proper ETB trigger in the same way that you'll probably play Solitude and Grief there, and Ephemerate works with them too. Ephemerate worked with it too. And good old friend Freaky Nasty already played a version with Ephemerate. I just made the connection when you say that. Oh, how did it look? I'm looking at it right... So it was an Esper Gorius Reanimator in the shape of Remember Old Spikes version. So we have four Ephemerate, two Prismatic Ending, Faithful Mending, Priest of Felrides, Ransack the Lab, Gorius Pensions, Teferi, Grief, Solitude, Obsedat, Leyland Binding, Atraxa, Grisel Run. So it's working alongside Grisel Run as the best payoffs that you can put in your graveyard. Gorius mentions them, draw an Ephemerate, Ephemerate them to keep them. How many each of Gristlebrand and Atraxa? Four, four. Oh, four of each. What's nice about Atraxa being all these colors is that, you know, it pitches to your Everything. solitude and your grief. You can even pitch it to a force of negation if you want post-sideboard, if you run the full playset. Super pitchable card. Yeah, I think that hasn't been explored yet, but I mean, you were telling me that in, in Legacy, or in Vintage even, that's yeah. like one, one of the attractive things about Atraxa is you, you pitch just a force. It's doing very well there. I mean, maybe there's something for an Esper animator in modern with four Atraxa as the only reanimation target. With four Grizzle Pensions, four Ephemerate, maybe one or two Grizzle B as plan B. You get Atraxa into play, and then the Atraxa trigger finds a second Atraxa plus a force of negation. Yeah, or an Ephemerate. And you just Ephemerate Atraxa, keep the Atraxa after the Goddess Pensions, gain seven life with the hit, and keep a 7 7 that's gonna lick you 20 cards deep. Mathematically as well, if you animate a Trax on turn 3, you have already seen approximately 10 cards plus the 10 new cards, you're super likely to have found an Ephemerate by that moment. I mean, once Trax is in play, making it better is like a little bit win more, but I mean, these are, these are nice lines. You gotta win in style. I mean, it's sort of the three mana animations that you were hoping, right? Like a three mana way to play to get an Trax on board and keep it. Goddess Vengeance plus Ephemerate is that with extra steps. That's a good way of thinking about it, yeah. Okay. So, Goryeo's Vengeance, Priest of Fellow Rights, these are probably our best options for modern. For Pioneer, uh, we mentioned Blood for Bones. That's a David favorite. There is a f another option called Shadred's Restoration that's 
clean four mana reanimation it's just going to cost you some life it's going to specifically cost you seven life but that is the cheapest way to do it without having to have blood for bones sack fodder and we shouldn't forget liliana death's majesty that's uh, another actually pretty good effect at five that incidentally can reanimate atraxa so those are our reanimation options Beyond that, I mean, there's other stuff that does cheat things into play. Um, Enigmatic Incarnation, very successful deck. Some players were already incorporating one Atraxa as another 7-drop option. That's already been in the 5-0s. I think we probably won't work on that too much because it's just like you, you put one in and see how good it is. Neoform and Eldritch Evolution, uh, these are very interesting cards. And we'll take a look at a dedicated Atraxa Neoform deck in a minute. And there's, beyond that, just uh, other miscellaneous hmm. stuff, right? <laughs> Some concepts, ideas. I don't know if they're any good or not. Yeah, like, it, technically you can do Pyre of Heroes. Um, you can do a lot of stuff, technically. You can, you can feed Darzen for Atraxa if you want. You can Green Sun's Twilight for it, but I don't know how many of these are actually powerful. All right, on to the deck list more. What do we got? So... Starting with not one of our main formats, a beautiful legacy build that's just trying to reanimate anything. But mostly, you have Serra's Emissary and Atrax as your main payoffs alongside Animate Dead, Exhum, and Tom, and the whole package. You have those beautiful Dark Rituals. Do you know why those Dark Rituals look so hideous, Dan? Because they are from Warhammer 40k. Going forward. Um... <laughs> You have the four grief <laughs> and the Sarah's emissary alongside Atraxa. I'm guessing that we also have something else to animate, and it's not. I th also, some grizzle brands likely to the right that are not being shown in the peak because they weren't in the Twitter peak. But there's likely also four grizzle brands and Atraxa, Sarah's emissary work as the plan B, you know? When they get surgical, when you don't find them, when you are low on life, you can just get an Atraxa or an emissary to stabilize the board. When you have foreign tombs, Picking what you reanimate is a lot easier, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely, I think there's six cars not shown in the picture here. So it must be additional targets. But boy, look at all these card types. You have Lotus Petals, you have Animate Deads, you got enchantments and artifacts, you have creatures. You have literally anything. You can get, and something that has to be pretty common with an Atraxa should be getting something like a Grief, a Black card, an Animate Dead, a Dark Ritual, and a Lotus Pedal, and you just go like, okay, Grief, discard a card from your hand, reanimate Grief, discard a card from your hand, after an Atraxa trigger has to be super easy. Yeah, that's very attractive. So, that will be an example of a very powerful Atraxa deck, but we can't, we can't go quite that powerful in our formats, in our humble Modern and Pioneer formats. Hmm. Let's look at Modern. So, in Modern... In one of us so far, we have two builds. One is the one I'm working on and struggling to do so because I can't put the finishing touches in a Sultai four-color control shell alongside exactly the same thing David is doing in Pioneer, which is neoforming a Hooting Mandrels or a Tassigur into an Atraxa. While playing a control shell in Modern, we are not playing a lot of milling ourselves. We just have considering a Thotska where everything else is interaction in, any, in, a, in some way, shape, or form. And the plan is to two for one ourselves for three mana in order to get an Atraxa in play. So turn one consider, turn two removal, turn three counter, turn four removal, turn four, turn five when we're running out of gas, 
Hooding Mandrills Neoform, get an Atraxa in play and hold up interaction that we get from Atraxa. That's the goal. We have enchantments in the form of Leyline Binding and Restown. We have removal spells in both Sorcery and Instant Speed in the form of Unholy Heat, sorry, in the form of stuff like Running the Lock and Prismatic Ending and maybe even White March if we need it. We have Creatures in Solitude. So we have a bit of everything to try and get with Atraxa. So I'm assuming you would play all four Neoforms. Yeah. How many Atraxas would you put in the deck, and how many of these six-mana Delve creatures would you play? I'm playing seven six-mana creatures, two Atraxa, and one to be seen other seven drop. That's an internal fight between Seras Emissary and Titan of Industry, depending on what seems better for the modern format at the moment. So I think the question I would have is... I mean, I feel like you're putting yourself behind every time you fill your deck with Tassigers and Hootie Mandrels and Neoforms. Does that, like, does Atraxa catch you up enough to make up for it? I think she does, but that's going to be the test of fire, right? Depending how that goes, is if the deck is worth exploring or not. Like, do I feel when I'm doing this, am I winning? And if the answer is no, then goodbye. In some ways, it's the same question that people would say, well... Should I just neoform my Gurmag Angler and build a fair Gristlebrand deck? And the answer was generally no, but I don't know if anyone actually tried that hard to do it. I think Atrax is actually better than Gristlebrand in this scenario. It just immediately gives you interaction to work with, and it didn't cost you anything up front in life. Interested to see if that works out for you. Keep us posted. I hope so. I would love a new sort of full-on control shenanigans. After that, we the only thing we have seen in modern is the freaky nasty list we're just discussing, Esper Godius Mentions alongside Ephemerate, and a lot of value pitch elementals and such. I would like to iterate on Gorios and Esper, but play it more old school. Play Jay's Friends Prodigy. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Jay's Friends Prodigy and Priest of Fellrights, when we were talking about Tyvar last week, you know, those are both Tyvar eligible creatures right there. <laughs> we're pretty close. Maybe I just need one more card. Maybe that's Blood Tithe Harvester. I'm not sure. Just play all five colors. You can do Nahiri or Tyvar, whatever you like. We can just cheat our way into it however we desire. Exactly. I can Gorio's back, my Atraxa, or my Jace Friends Prodigy. I understand that it's probably inherently more powerful to just lean into grief as many times as possible, hmm. like the um, the freaky nasty build, but yeah, it'd be fun to try. And lastly, of course, we, we should just acknowledge that Indomitable Creativity exists and is probably the best way to do it in modern. We actually have already seen that uh, in a successful creativity build, but that's not going to be a new brew, so we're not going to focus on that too much. Yeah. That's just something to go deeper down the rabbit hole at a later time. From Modern, we go to Pioneer. Pioneer, I've seen a little bit of Atraxa so far. Not a lot, but our good friend, uh, Mr. Rabe, friend of the show, Fantastic Brewer, he posted a very interesting list. He started with an interesting one. Full-on Rakdos. 27 lands. 27 lands, full-on Rakdos, so that means you don't even have access to three of the colors in Atraxa, and both a reanimation deck and a creativity deck, trying to play on both franks. 
So it's a Dwarven Mine Indomitable Creativity deck. So 27 lands, almost all of them are mountains, except for a couple of swamps. Four Indomitable Creativity. Looks like this is an Obosh-compatible deck. That means you're heavy on one-mana interaction. Fatal Push, Thoughtseize, and Fiery Impulse. Four copies of each, plus a Duress. Nothing on two. On three, this is where you're generating some board presence for your nominal creativity. That's Fable with the Mirror Breaker's job. Four copies of that, but that's not enough. You also need a little extra. So Mr. Rabe is going with two copies of Seize the Spoils. Two Liliana of the Veil. Between Fable, Seize the Spoils, and Liliana of the Veil, I guess technically you can also Thought Seize yourself, you do have the option to reanimate your Atraxa. So on five mana, we get the reanimation effects. Two Liliana, Death Majesty, two Bond of Revival. That means we're going to play the full four copies of Atraxa because yeah. we don't mind drawing it so often. If we draw it, we can, we can discard to our eight three drops, two Seasless Points, four Fable, two Liliana, all of which would allow us to discard easily. Obosh is your companion. I mean, what do you make of this deck? I don't know. He has been having good results with it, but we both know Mr. Rave is a good player that can actually just tamper with the data. Yeah, <laughs> He said he'd posted like a 68% win rate so far, which, while good, is probably average or below average for him. <laughs> for me, my first thought when I saw this was, why not just play Transmogrify? Like, unless you're routinely doing creativity x equals 2, which I guess is possible, I, I would prefer to see Transmogrify. That switches your companion to Gigantha. Yeah. I think that's fine. Yeah, you lose the Lilianas, but I'm, I'm actually not sure that the reanimation angle is that important. I feel like I would get similar results if I just played Big Score. Big Score curves naturally into Atraxa, right? Like that that's actually pretty slick. Like turn four, big score sets up either the trend. well, now I see why you need creativity. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Maybe you can't have it both ways. If you want to play creativity, you're less incentivized to splash for the Atraxa. But like Big Score gets you there by itself. So. Hmm. I'm not sure if you want to play big sport. Maybe just take out Lily of the Veil. Losing 5 mana Liliana annoys me slightly because that's a great way to reanimate something in Pioneer. Yeah, I guess I'm just wondering if reanimation is like so important as a plan here. Maybe he wins a lot of games this way. I don't know. I'm just thinking like the combination of a creativity transmogrify effect plus incidental treasure ramp should also get me there. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to try to build my own tweak on this and, and see what happens when I test it. Yeah, I'm not sure if Obosh is the right way to go, but we'll see. Davriel in the sideboard just surprises me to no end. <laughs> okay, I cannot explain that. But Gigantha, what I like about Gigantha is it actually casts more than half of a Traxa by itself. Hmm. Like, I know it's just a Colossipede, but... Having played a Gigantha Tyvar deck this week, I'm like, man, tapping Gigantha is super powerful. When you're able to actually use that mana, it's an insane tempo play. And that's one of the things that can make a track so super explosive is casting it with mana open still to like do something else. And Gigantha enables that single-handedly almost for free. So I'm, I'm interested in just like exploring that package and seeing where it takes me. Probably with Transmogrify. That's not if I might be able to go because creativity has zero upside when the creature you're trying to get is legendary. Besides the fact, well, trying to get double triggers or making sure opponent has two removal spells. 
I guess you do in, in Mr. Rabe's build, you do double trigger Atraxa and plus you get one ready for reanimation because of the legend rule. That's something. Yeah, interesting. From there, uh, instead of creativity, we can take a look at a pioneer version of the Neoform route. So, more tell us about what David has cooked up here. Oh, David is going down the old... For once, I was going to say David is the one going down the rabbit hole, but there is uh, someone even more insane than David tonight, so I'm just going to stick to... David is doing the reasonable thing, and is going <laughs> all in on meeting itself, playing a Tassigur or Mandrid, a Neoforming slash Eldritch Evolution into Atraxa, or Ancient of Treasury, or Coma, as it has a tiny bit of toolboxing value in there. So that's four Tasker's, four Mandrills, four Neoform. A selection of seven drops to choose from. Three Atraxas, one Coma, one Agent of Treachery. That's how you win. He's actually playing the four Eldritch Evolutions. You have even more Neoform, so eight and eight, I guess, of your A plus B Delve Creature plus Evolution effect. And that's it. I mean, if that doesn't win, you're not going to win, because the rest of this deck is barely there. <laughs> it's Otherworldly Gaze, Grizzly Salvage, Consider, and four Thoughts use as your interaction. I'm not sure if developing so many resources to meaning yourselves is the way to go with Atraxa, because I feel this deck can only win via Atraxa. You're not doing anything else besides milling, discarding, playing Atraxa. I agree. David said to me he didn't believe in Atraxa, so this was his, his protest submission. He said, basically, if you want to see how good Atraxa is, just focus all in on getting it into play and just see if it wins. He thinks, spoiler, he thinks it will not win. I do share with you in your comment that throwing into Atraxa is not a play and a slowing controlling plan that set up Atraxa via Neoform or casting it is what I want to do in Modern. Yeah, it's much easier in modern. I think that to elaborate on that idea, I don't think that just putting a tracks into play is going to win. You you have to get a tracks down and let it find interaction like that. Yeah, the cards attracts are fine have to win you the game. However, I guess some decks attracts can win the game. Like if Mono White doesn't have bravery elements or lethal on board, attracts is gonna win the game. But they will. I mean, they have a bunch of copies of that effect. They have a bunch. Wait, what? Wait, what is it? Wait, wait, wait. We're getting news from the Turbo Atraxa results in the challenge in Standard. Atraxa won the modern the Standard Challenge yesterday? Yeah. Oh, nice. News from the front. Turbo Atraxa in Standard? Turbo Atraxa. So the decklist is 4 Invoke Shastis, Portal to Phyrexia, and Atraxa. And Sanctuary Warden. So they're playing 3 Portal, 4 Sanctuary Warden, 3 Atraxa, and Restoration of Engancho, Fable, Cathartics, and Big Score, Cathartic Pyre and the Wandering Emperor as a value card, and then they just try to invoke Justice out, Portal to Phyrexia, or Sanctuary Warden, or Atraxa to win the game. I've never seen Sanctuary Warden before. Okay, this is a reanimation target. Yeah, and when he gets the 4 plus 1 plus 1 counters, whenever he generates a battlefield or attacks, you just take out one of those counters, draw a card, and make a 1-1. One, one. Two shield counters. It comes with two shield counters. Yeah, but it also gets the 4 plus 1 plus 1 from Invoke Shastis. Ah, okay. So you, whenever it attacks Oidendress, you just take out one of those plus 1 plus 1 and draw a card and make a 1-1. One, one. That's cute. So that's why it can... And it's the most hard castable of them as it's mono white. Yeah, I guess we shouldn't overlook Invoke Justice. That's only 5 mana as well, though it's heavy on the white requirements. Heavy on the white is better than heavy on the red, considering Atraxa is all bad red. 
Yeah, good point. Yeah. All right, so legacy and standard, we know what Traxo is good. It's, it's already been in a modern challenge winning list, so it's just Pioneer where Atraxa seems like it should be the most powerful. Uh, we're still looking for that successful build. It's gonna come. I think it will. I think it's the one that also needs the more the most brewing around in Pioneer. In modern, it's more fitable. Yeah, so like the, this, this Neoform build from David, what I would like to see is more than just Thoughtseize. I want to have the ability for my Atraxa trigger to find me board stabilizing cards some number of push for example and you just have to find the slots by going slower going less hard on grissy salvage i probably wouldn't play all the eldritch evolutions either we'll just accept that it's going to take a little more gameplay it's going to happen later in the game but in exchange for that you'll be a more interactive deck that makes your attracts a trigger stronger yeah that's a theory i just hope it finds a home and incredibly, the other deck that we have is the most insane one. So we mentioned legendary creature Phyrexian Angel. What if Why? we had a Phyrexian Tribal deck? So Phyrexian Tribal. It would look pretty janky. Like, I'm just looking at this deck right here. Why does this matter? Well, if you're playing all Phyrexians... First of all, Willerker, just insane. Yes, that's true. If you're playing all Phyrexians, your Pyre of Heroes can take you all the way up the chain to a sack of six mana Phyrexian to get a seven mana Atraxa. So, let's go through a normal chain, okay? You sacrifice your Skrull, you get an Evangel, you get a Malkator Watcher. You sacrifice your Watcher, you get a Malkator. You sacrifice your Malkator, you get a Master Splicer, or an Ertai, or a Shieldred, or a Shitaxian Puppeteers. Four seems like the strong slot. You sacrifice your four drop, you get a five drop in the form of Tribunal, or Elishnorn, which you can sack for a Massacre Worm, which you can sack for a Shieldred. So, to me, I'm like, if you're gonna do all this, just put the Atraxa in. Like, Yeah, yeah. You gotta complete the chain. I think he went like 90... I was going to say he went 95% of the way. He went like 120% and then scaled it back to 115%. But we want 120%. We want the Atraxa on top of the player chain. So he's already got the right colors for it. He's even got Kiora here. I think that, you know, if you're going to do this, do it in style. I don't see a lot of synergy at the lower end of the curve, and that's probably the concern for this deck. No. Yeah, the Phyrexians themselves are not particularly... Cedar Schistic. Probably Melkator Purity Overseer is the reason that you have some prayer of making this work, because that is the perfect card to pot away. It's gonna leave a body. Exactly. Um, Melkator's Watcher is a little sad. This is just like a two-mana, one-one, Flying Vigilance when it dies, draw a card. Artifact Creature Phyrexian Drone. But you need something, so... This is a little bit crazy, a little out there. This is more just for completion. Another way... A Phyrexian way to get Atraxa into play. So those are just a handful of ideas. I think probably I will not play any of these exactly. I'm going to tinker and see what I come up with. Probably something similar to Mr. Rabe's list. I think Mr. Rabe's might be the best basis for a future project. Or maybe we just take the standard route and go full on mono white invoke pressures. I mean, you still have to get it into your graveyard. Invoke justice. I mean, Fable, is, Fable makes it easy, Sister Spoils 
You have a lot of ways to get cards into your graveyard in Pioneer. Good cards in Pioneer. Yeah, but you're just, you're not mono white if you're doing that. <laughs> you're probably going to be splashing black instead. But I mean, yeah, I, I like the idea of a 11-11 Atraxa. That would be sweet. I think it's exactly like Mord said. It's clearly a powerful plan, but this is going to take... It's all in the details, right? Devil in the detail. We're going to need to do some brewing to like actually get a successful build that gets Atraxa down consistently early enough and has enough interaction that the Atraxa trigger will stabilize the game, right? Not just the body, but also the trigger. It's a mixture, right? The body's amazing, but it's not game-winning, and the trigger is great, but it requires a powerful deck. So it's a soft dance. It's like an me. You just have to make the trigger worth and make sure the crit the body is not useless. And you didn't go through too much of a hassle to get it. Because if it's too much of a hassle, why not get something better? Yeah, well said. Alright, so that is our brewing with Atraxa. We are not quite done yet, so we should tell you a little bit about what we've learned so far with Tyvar Jubilant Brawler. I was super excited for Tyvar Mord. I thought this was going to be like the sweetest week of Tyvar brews, 5-0s rolling in. That didn't quite happen. Hear the loom and gloom in Dan's voice, everybody. Get ready for as much disappointment as he has felt. I'm not disappointed with Tyvar itself. Actually, I had a lot of fun. Like, my decks didn't do very well. I think the part that surprised me the most was like not seeing Tyvar decks do well anywhere. Like, not even the Devoted Druid deck. That, that did not get any published results this week in Modern, which is shocking to me. Saw a lot of screenshots of people laughing at the Devoted Druid players as they cast Fury and just, like, <laughs> mopped up, <laughs> scooped up three or four creatures and just set them directly into the graveyard. The theory I thought was that Tyvar would help mitigate that, but I guess it's just too devastating when that happens. So how did the testing go with Tyvar? Tell us how it went down in Pioneer. Well, I played three Pioneer lists. Two of them were ones that David had proposed, and a third one uh, was from the streamer Island Go Sammy. Yeah. We'll start with David's lists. The first one was the Soul Diviner Saltai list, and this was so sweet. So sweet. It's got Jace Friends Prodigy, it's got Soul Diviner, it's got Thing in the Ice. All these are creatures that Tyvar can get back. They're cheap, they're efficient, they happen to have counters, so Soul Diviner can just go nuts drawing cards, untapping itself. Hmm. You need a little more counters in the deck, like actual counters, counters, not counter magic. Maze Mind Tome, one copy of Armor Scrap Gorger, and then to win the game a couple of Shieldreds. The rest of the deck interaction. You really don't have enough ways to make counters, right? You have Tome, Thing, Chase... And Tyver, an armor scrap gorger is a one-off. Right, so you're you're always like right at that line of like bare minimum slash not quite yeah. enough. Now Tyvar is great with Soul Diviner. Maybe I should have played all four copies, but once you start doing that, you run out of deck space for your fatal pushes, your thoughtseizes, your considers. So For your gold cards. Exactly. It's a balancing act with this deck. Took it into the leagues. Got a couple wins right off the bat. I mean, I had so much fun with this deck. <laughs> it's just amazing. Opponents were in disbelief. They had never seen this weird combination of Soul Diviner and Thing in the Ice before, and I was doing it twice as fast. 
Tyvar makes everything so, so sweet with tap abilities. The sweet interaction that I didn't really process was that having a Jace Fringe Prodigy into play sets up your Tyvar minus two so well. Like, a Tyvar minus two is a sick tempo play. It's putting the creature directly into play, and then if that creature has a tap ability, gives it haste. As a blind mill, it kind of takes a while to happen, but with Jace, if Jace is your turn to play, like, you can just loot away, discard a two drop, immediately Tyvar gets it back. And I did that to great effect like, throughout the league. So the controlled loot of Jace was actually sweet with Tyvar. Mm. That said, um, I lost my last three rounds. I just got picked apart twice by Rakdos decks and was not able to fend off the Mono Green Devotion deck. Um, this is a problem that all Demir-based interaction decks will have, is you just... It's not a great plan in general to Thoughtseize push your way through a Mono Green deck. You can maybe do it one game out of three, which is what I did. But the biggest issue was just like, damn, just watching Rakdos blast all my creatures. Like, this was a synergistic creature deck and my creatures for the most part did not have etbs so it's tough yeah i would just get one for one again and again and again and every time they did it they had a leftover resource like a leftover bone crusher giant or a leftover blood token they got utility lands i didn't i mean the third color of mana really costs you like you, you don't feel it in terms of getting color screwed but you feel it when it's late in the game and you have nothing from your lands and they have like two or three extra utility lands so you're, you're paying a high price to do this sweet stuff, and unfortunately, um, this is exactly the kind of deck that will just get obliterated by removal, even with Tyvar. You also have one of my favorite cards in Magic, which is a Chevel on the sideboard. If only Chevel was good, life would be nice. Yeah, Chevel being a monsters. I mean, David likes this card. He told me to put one in. I, <laughs> I'll post this I played because we updated the sideboard based on uh, our discussion last week. I think if I were going to play this deck again, I would actually cut the Shaledred's main deck because you, you really need a Gigantic Companion just to have more action in the deck. You could play a second Treasure Cruise and just like another Maze Mind Tome or something. I actually don't know if it's fixable. Like the issue with Rakdos is may not be fixable with this build, but it's definitely a super fun deck and I will probably play it again just for fun. It does seem fun. And where did we go from there? Where did our Soul Diviner troubles left us? So the second deck that David proposed was a Vanifar pod list. Now, Vanifar pod, sure, everyone can imagine themselves winning with the Prime Speaker Vanifar, but mm -hmm. what David was trying to stress was that most of the proposed builds were much too all-in, much too reliant on like this fantasy scenario of Elf into Tyvar into Prime Speaker Vanifar, whereas in his experience with Vanifar, you, you need to be built for the grind. You need to accept they're going to blow up your stuff. That means a Voice of Resurgence right? Okay. Voice of Resurgence is the anti-Rakdos type card, right? This, this card will actually win an Attrition War in a way that, you know, an Eldritch Evolution fragile Vanifar deck will not do. So he's playing full four copies of Voice, three Fiend Artisans, three Tyvars, uh, the full four Extraction Specialist plus Glass Pull Mimic. So your combo here is you, you pod away a one drop, get a quarter monitor, pod that away, get all of your Extraction Specialists and Glass Pull Mimics, that leaves you with one final untap, which gets a tuk-tuk rebel fort for haste. Good old tuk-tuk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a tuk-tuk in play, as I found, is just like having a permanent Tyvar, right? It's like an extra copy of Tyvar. It gives haste to your stuff. To make this a Tyvar deck, right, we're, we're playing Fiend Artisan instead of a card like Eldritch Evolution. Uh, we also have one Fauna Shaman. 
three fiend artisans, one fauna shaman, and I added a scroll of defector might, which is actually, I think, pretty cute with Tyvar. It's like a hasty giver of ruins, protects your Vanifar from removal. You can like fiend artisan first to get the scrove and then have access to protection uh, for your second attempt to actually fully combo. So I think a one of scrove makes sense and it also gives you uh, an extra one drop because I think David's build did not have quite enough one drops to start the chain. Um, you could do that with a scrove or with an extra elf. It's up to you. Yeah. Good old scroll. Yeah, exactly. I played this and it was actually pretty, pretty much exactly like David predicted. He said the mana will be terrible. He said that the voices will be key and that you'll, you'll win some of the time with the combo. And that's what I did. I won some of the time. Like I surprisingly beat in the aggro decks. Like I thought I was going to get stomped by aggro, but I was able to beat humans and grow vehicles just on the strength of voice resurgence buying so much time. And eventually you do have to combo kill them. Like there, there wasn't really a fair plan. So the, the other change I made, which ended up being a mistake was I swapped out uh, where David had Sylvan Curated. I thought armor scrap gorger would be better. I thought it would give me a little incidental graveyard hate. I thought it would potentially be better in combat if I can, you know, make it a three, three. What happened was, I did get a little bit of use out of the Graveyard Hate. Like, I exiled a couple of vehicles from the Grease Vein deck with it. But I still lost that match, so it wasn't doing enough Graveyard Hate. And then where it really cost me was in other matches where the opponents figured out how extremely reliant my mana base was on this rainbow creature. Once they figured out that if they obliterating both the Scrap Gorger, I can't cast anything... They just... <laughs> I just wasn't able to cast anything because they only traded Bolt the Scrap Gorger. <laughs> exactly. I was, I was definitely kicking myself at that point for not just going with the Hexproof Sylvan Curated. Even though, like, I have no interest in a Defender. Or yeah, I can see that happening like, in Fire. You just need your mana. The colors sucked in this deck. Holy crap, they were bad. And I don't think it can be fixed in Pioneer. Like, I mean, David did his best, but you're, you're talking about needing all four colors, right? Everything except red. <laughs> attracts the colors basically uh, but you need all of that like on turn two and three so this cannot be fixed yeah we have on two white blue celestia double green and on turn three green black white blue red that's not pioneer castable mana yeah i mean the deck was functional but it was in that will lose to itself because of the mana range. And it will also lose to opponents who are like putting a little effort into interacting with you. Unfortunately, they have many ways to do so. So like the Gruel decks, I played two of them. They brought in Scavenging Ooze. They brought in Rending Volley. I mean, this was this was a tough one. Like Rending Volley on Vanifar is such a tempo play. Uh, Unlicensed Hearse. Like you don't think of yourself as a graveyard deck, but you, you really are. Both Tyvar and the Extraction Specialist engine like they just require access to the graveyard even fiend artisan never grew against the unlicensed hearse so it was just like always in stomp range i played against that mono white uh ls norn devotion deck where you know they just had enough random one-for-one -one stuff until they bought enough time to get ls norn down and then i couldn't win anymore so two and three overall like i, I felt like the deck was on the verge of being powerful i actually felt like if this was a modern deck it would be a lot better without having to worry about the mana, without having to dedicate so many slots to like this silly extraction specialist thing. 
Tyvar into Prime Seeker Vanifar was insanely powerful. It was like so insanely powerful. I just like could not believe how good it was. When you can make the mana work, I can picture it's insane. I need to try a Vanifar decklist in modern even if I know it's bad. I just come to you. I think it would actually be really good. Like it's it's a very compact chain in modern, right? You only need to get up to Kiki. In, yeah, in modern you only need a three drop that you need monitor, rallier. Any four drop that untaps, you have a million of them, you have Resto Angel, you have the Hippocampus. Then you need Kiki, and that's it. So it's only four slots. Like I if if I just had Birds of Paradise and Fetch Lands and like, you know, give her ruins instead of this janky mana base, Elvish Mystic, and Skrelv. I think I would actually be in business. Like, Vanifar with haste. All of a sudden, the game was over. That promise was extremely good. I won a lot of games where it, it didn't even look like I was threatening anything, and all of a sudden I just won. So, there's still something powerful here. Yeah, there's still something extremely powerful here. Feed Artisans were better than I expected, and yeah, the Voice of Resurgences were, were a good call for Pioneer. I don't know how they would do in the modern build. Yeah, in modern it might be tough. So yeah, maybe you can figure that out, Mord. I think this is something up your wheelhouse. I will try some modern, play some Nahiri, play some Tivar, play some Banifar, all in the same deck and see how that goes. I miss you, Yorion. You were having great. That was the other thing. It was like, I was so close to getting a companion. Like, I was, I, I almost had Gigantha, but then you can't play Fiendersen. I almost had Umori, but then you can't play Tivar. We should just have Yorion. Yeah, maybe that was the solution. Just add Yorian. Make the mana even worse. <laughs> also, I'm having fever dreams about... I keep having fever dreams about something completely unrelated that is this information campaign, and I will make a bad idea someday. The disinformation campaign? Yeah. Is that at all related to what we're talking about? No, not at all. That's just, that's <laughs> okay. just more brain going more. Than... like, what? Right. Small more comment of the day. And with that disinformation campaign out of the way, I will tell you about another Tyvar deck. The final Tyvar deck, the third one. Tyvar the third. So here we are looking at uh, Pioneer Paradox Engine combo. Paradox Engine combo, I mean, this deck has been around Pioneer. This is not a new strategy, but putting Tyvar in it, boy, it makes it really fast. So Tyvar works with hmm. Emery, that's good, but it also untaps your Llanowar Elves and your Elvish Mystics. If you're loading up on these to get your Karn or your Paradox Engine down faster, uh, you can just go insane, like so much mana. Kinnon, of course, is the card that really makes this deck hum. So you're looking at eight mana Elves, plus four Springleaf Drums, plus four Mox Ambers, so much mana acceleration. There's even two Moonstar prototypes. There's 18 one mana accelerators in this deck. Four Kinnons, four Emerys, four Couriers Briefcase, more on that in a second, three Tyvars, four Karns, two Paradox Engines, two Reality Chips. What happens? Well, you're trying to get the Paradox Engine down so you can just go nuts with the Emery, but there's other ways to just go off. The Couriers Briefcase is both a win con, can generate infinite citizens if you're just recasting it with Emery alone. Yeah. Uh, it can generate infinite mana, which can then draw you three cards at a time. Infinite cards. This deck does get to play Gigantha, and Gigantha with Tyvar is so sweet, right? Like, I, I was talking about like a world tree combo uh, in our brewing episode, but just using Gigantha to activate the Courier's Briefcase is super powerful. And a lot of opponents, like, 
the game came down to whether they could actually stop me from doing that as we got to the grindy part of the game. I found that this deck actually did an amazing job of like fighting through interaction. Like it wasn't struggling for cards at all. I mean, reality chip was so important there. Perfect card for bridging that gap and turning all of your extra mana into something great. But the part that it was not good at was not getting run over by creatures. So I don't actually, again, don't know how to fix this. Like I, I think I beat um, a John Midrange deck. I beat a Demir deck. Lost to Celestia Toxic. Yeah, I mean, that match actually probably should have won. I punted both games. But, like, I was on the verge of winning, and I just, like, did not win. I forgot to unequip my reality chip to give myself a blue blocker. when I knew they were going to, like, Sajiri shelter me, and I just needed to chump that turn. It was, it was a foolish mistake. Against, like, decks that were just threatening me with creatures, even something as simple as, like, a Fable Token. Like, you don't have any way to block. Like, this deck does not block... Karn, terrible on defense, and you're adding even more Planeswalkers. Tyvar does not have a lot of loyalty, so you're going to be on the back foot for sure against any deck that just gets on the board, and the combo kill yeah. just takes a few turns too many to survive. Also, I don't see us ever beating a turn to Talia. Uh, well, I mean, this deck actually doesn't struggle with mana. Like, the mana is actually pretty easy to get. A Kinnon can nullify a Thalia and you'll have plenty left over. But, I mean, it's like, you, you can't beat Athalia plus pressure, and they're going to have pressure. So much pressure. Yeah. So, I mean, like, several times in those matches, I was thinking, man, if if only I had Asika's Chariot and Sky Sovereign instead of this Karn Paradox Engine stuff, like, that would have won. Like, just the, the low-end Mana Engine plus Tyvar plus Emery and Briefcase and Chip and Kinnon. Like, that... that engine of generating insane mana resources was actually insanely powerful no matter the matchup it was just like the current top end was not good against aggro however i i don't think that switching out the current like i i wanted to switch to like a kind of cynic vehicles deck but i don't know if that would actually have won the game against these other matchups like you don't actually combo kill there you actually have to win by attacking and i don't know if that's realistic yeah and that's tough so, yeah, I mean, maybe there's something here. Like, I, I watched Island Go Sammy stream his version, and he kind of had similar results. Where, similar like, he results. won some spectacular matches and then just got blasted by creatures <laughs> in other matches. So overall, I mean, I played three leagues. I went two, three in all of them. and all of them, I felt like, wow, Tyver is powerful, and yet the decks themselves are not powerful. And I don't know what that means for Tyvar's future in Pioneer. Maybe Tyvar is just a powerful card that requires a powerful shell instead of a synergistic shell. Maybe it's just straight good. Maybe we just play it in a... Maybe all we need to do is playing in a shunt shell with the tumor, with the Harvester and forget about it. Turn 2 Harvester, turn 3 kill something, Tyvar bring it back. We can kill something again. Yeah. I mean, would you play any other creatures that like synergize with Tyvar in this theoretical build? I mean, maybe that's a synergist with it in a smaller way. Maybe even something like Crocsia that you can get back and get the trigger out of it. But I don't know if something that requires the tapping ability. I don't think you need that much synergy with it. That's the thing. Yeah, that's a good thought. You can crew a regular backbuster. Yeah, 
and flip it when you block if it's a first turn, but that's non-existent. I don't know. Getting back Misery Shadow isn't irrelevant either. Hmm. So Bloodtide Harvester would be the biggest draw. I, I was actually generally happy with Armored Scrap Gorger as a card. Like, not as a four of necessarily, but it, it was actually pretty good. Um, so that could be a card you, you might consider. Yeah, Tyvar's minus two is weirdly... It's quite strong. I, I didn't have a great success blind milling. Like a couple times I had to just minus two and pray. And I didn't have great success there. <laughs> That's when you know you're losing. But uh, minus two when you know what you're going to get is uh, insane play. Yeah. Yeah, maybe Tyvar's future is just in modern. And if not, Devoted Druid, maybe something else. Devoted Druid has... So the more I play Devoted Druid, the more I realize it's strictly worse goblins. Oh, really? You just require one more combo piece. You play a two drop on turn two that your opponent has to kill or they lose to whatever you play on turn three. The difference is once you're playing the board, you get infinite mana and then you have to win, while in goblins you just play your two drop, your three drop, and just win. So do you think that's why like, we didn't see any success for Devoted Druid yeah. this week? I think it's just straight up not playable. At least right now. Also, I tried to fire a league. I didn't fire a league, but I played some tournament practice with a... I have an Absan decklist right below. I don't know if you have seen it. Four Stitcher Supplier, four Unearth, four Giver, four Devoted, four Finn Artisan, Grace, Tyvar, etc. I was playing against stuff like um, the new Rod Priest deck, and I got Gutshot plus um, Grapeshot on my board, and everything felt miserable. You have a lot of creatures, but... Not a lot of combined toughness. <laughs> I see a bunch nope, of two not one at one one stitchers, oh one birds. I guess the giver is a one two. Was the fiend artisan like? How was the fiend artisan? This is an interesting card, right? It was quite great, and tapping it with Tyvar was insane. Like I, ma- I managed to go on a game and pay two with my fiend artisan, sacrifice a. So I had a Tyvar on board. It was turn four. I played fiend artisan. Sacrifice a bird of paradise, pay for three mana, get a devoted, use the two mana from devoted, untap the Tyvar, and the spare mana help from the birds to go get a Vizier and win the game. Like Finaris and Plus Tyvar literally got me both combo pieces into play. You had enough mana for all of that? It's only four mana. Because devoted makes the extra two you need out of the six. That's very impressive. Yeah, I mean, that sounds so promising, right? Did you find, like, despite all that, the deck was just underpowered? It was too super easy to interact. Like, I was not doing enough. And you have to be all in yourself, right? Like, you don't really have room in the deck. You have Grist, but that's about it. One Skyclave Apparition. Yeah, exactly. You cannot feel super grindy because you need the two places of the combo creatures alongside the mana ina- alongside the infinite mana enabler so it's like a three combo piece that you need multiple pieces of all of them this build that you were testing was heavier on the graveyard angle than i would have expected right like you're you're going with stitcher supplier and unearth the extra sack effects from fiend artisan and of course tyvar milling as well did you find that that was like a, a liability did people actually attack the graveyard or they just not worry about that not quite, and it allowed me to get like 7-7 seven, seven Finaris in a lot of games that just were able to threaten the board. 
Phenetizan gets weak pretty fast. I have to grudgingly admit that Phenetizan was better than I expected. Like I, I played it in the Pioneer Vanifar list, and I didn't think it was going to be good at all. But it was actually surprisingly good. Got pretty big. Was an extra sack outlet for the Voice of Resurgence, and that ended up being pretty important in ways that I didn't think it would be. It was. Maybe maybe voice is just the key. I want to try a full-on Taiba. I want to play a Goblin's Bill as if it was a combo deck. Because you know I tend to play Goblins more of a mid-range shell with Ringleader and such. And I want to see what happens if I just fire up for an Earth, for Snoop, for Harbinger, for Matron, for Tybar, And then like full-on combo. Forget about any sort of value. Because I feel like that would be devoted but better. I don't know if it's better than Goblins, but I feel it's just better devoted. Same deck, less combo pieces, and better tutors. Hmm. Yeah, I see what you mean there. Yeah, that's good news insofar as it means we have more to explore with Tyvar. He has not struck gold yet. I think Tyvar is still great. Like, Tyvar was surprisingly good every single time I drew it. It's maybe just not as obvious of a card as we would have hoped. Like, the, the builds are going to take yeah. a few iterations, and... The creatures may be the liability. Tyvar is not the problem, but the creatures are. The creatures you play with Tyvar are. All right. Well, I think that's a good initial exploration of Tyvar Jubilant Brawler. We'll leave it there for now, and we'll, of course, keep tracking Tyvar's progress. And if we discover anything new, we will let you know. Exactly. So thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show, and hope to see you all again soon. Have a nice night. Bye-bye. Decklist for this episode can be found at our homepage, faithlessbrewing.com. And tune in next time for our testing results, plus the nominees for our next monthly brewing project. Support for this podcast is provided by brewers like you. Join the Faithless family and help support the show at patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing for Discord access, bonus content, and more. That's all for today. Stay safe and we'll see you next time.